are listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Venerable. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello there, good afternoon, and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We're coming to you a little bit late in the week. There's been a lot of craziness kind of been going on at least. I'm happy that we're still able to be here to uh, break down a little bit more of the Cardinals, what we saw, and talk about this upcoming game against the Washington football team, or WT, uh, not WTF, but WFT is the abbreviation. I uh, always want to make sure I get that one right before saying it. It's like you kind of go from not saying one thing to not saying another. Uh, my name is Blake Murphy on Twitter, at BlakeMurphy7. We cover the cards for Revenge of the Birds. Uh, John is my co-host uh, at Johnny Venerable now on Twitter, as you can hear from the update to our opening title sequence. And John's been a crazy week for you. We're happy to have you here on the ROTB pod. Thanks, Blake. Yeah, we. I am right in the middle of these Oregon, essentially these West Coast forest fires that have left so many people devastated. But, uh, you know, we're fortunate enough not to be in the heat of it. Um, no pun intended. We are in a position where uh, we're safe right now and, and able to uh, go about our lives amongst, you know, a lot of smog and ash. Um, but, yeah, right now we're just kind of hunkering down. And boy, oh, boy, did, did last Sunday's victory, Blake, make this a little bit easier to swallow being stuck inside for the last, you know, 10 to 14 days. But, we, uh, yeah, we feel, uh, we feel very fortunate we have not – lost our home and are able to continue to go on with semi-normalcy in, in our life in combination of everything going on with COVID. But good to be on today on the on the podcast, Blake, as we preview uh, an, an upcoming game when the Cardinals have an ability to start 2-0, goodness, for the first time since 2015. 2-0, the 1-1, the 0-2, there's a lot that goes into these games because there's very few teams that start off the season 0-2 and go on to make the playoffs. That, that would have probably made this game a must-win for the Arizona Cardinals had they lost to the Niners. Uh, we've seen a lot of team improvement. Uh, it's going to be, I think, not as easy as it might seem. Uh, I think that the Cardinals are a more talented team, but they're going to be having to do it with uh, two of their uh, valuable players out uh, tight end Max Williams uh, has been ruled out of the game. He was a bit banged up last week. Um, he didn't start the game. We got to see Dan Arnold take over much of that. And Larry Fitzgerald even came in on a number of snaps in the second half as a blocker. It seems that Williams, after being nicked up throughout most of camp, has been probably not as healthy as we'd like to imagine. And then Mason Cole, after being hurt last week. Uh, fortunately, I think the Cardinals do have two very solid depth players in Daryl Daniels and also Lamont Galliard, the unsung hero of last week's Niners game. Uh, DJ Humphreys also came off the field for a snap, came back on. Uh, he's not been listed on the injury report at all. Um, what I'm kind of a, a little excited for, John, is that Josh Jones is starting to be able to practice again. He's still been limited in practice. I don't think we're going to see him this year. If we do, obviously something has gone very wrong, but it will be good to see him get reps, especially after DJ Humphreys struggled against Nick Bosa one-on-one -on -one last week. Uh, the Cardinals are going to get a tougher defensive line uh, upcoming against in this Washington football team, John. Uh, there's a couple of other moves that the Cardinals have made. I did want to at least talk about 
they signed Jalen Davis, a cornerback, to their practice squad. They did end up seeing Chris Jones leave to another team's roster. And they also signed a kicker, Mike Nugent, who I believe kicked for the team in 2009. Um, after Zane Gonzalez missed two field goals last week, it was probably going to turn a few heads, but uh, Cliff Kingsbury said that they're confident in him and that this is much more of a COVID-related incident uh, or in case any COVID incident should arise. We saw that already with Keyshawn Johnson uh, ending up on the COVID list, either someone he knew tested positive or he did. And uh, John, how much of this, at least on the surface, do you think is fully just a depth COVID move that was waiting or is there kind of concern if Zane misses a kick or two on Sunday that Cardinals may be tempted to make a switch? I think it's a hundred percent a move for uh, increased pressure on Zane Gonzalez to do better. Uh, That very well could have been, those two misses could have been the deciding factor. He can thank Kyler Murray that it wasn't uh, and the defense for for, uh, lack of a better term, but I just, I feel like right now you cannot expect to have job security, even though you performed quote unquote well on the box sheet last year. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Zane Gonzalez, but go back to last year. How many clutch kicks did Zane Gonzalez make or how many, I think it's more appropriate and fair to ask, was he asked to make? Most of the time it was the Cardinals were behind. They were chip shot field goals. The Cardinals had no problem getting into the red zone last year. They just had an inability to convert touchdowns. This year, we're seeing hopefully through week one, that's not the case, but he's going to be asked. The Cardinals are are in the thick now of playoff expectations. You beat the Niners week one on their home turf. You're thought by many to be now not a sneaky playoff team, but yeah, they're going to be in the postseason mix, especially with the increased addition of a wild card. They need a kicker who can make clutch kicks. As much as we like Zane, he's never been asked to do that. He probably made one or two last year that I'm just simply forgetting. But you can't go one and three against San Francisco. I know that one of them was from 52 yards, but in you know San Francisco, no elements. You gotta you gotta come closer than that. And then he missed a 49 yarder as well. Mike Nugent, say what you want about him, he's been in the NFL for over 15 years. He was with the Patriots last year and was semi-productive, but for his career, Blake, he's got nearly an 81% conversion rate on field goals. I think it's very much if Zane Gonzalez has a stinker this weekend against Washington. You're year to year in this league, especially at the kicker position. He does not have a lot of leeway. This team needs a kicker that's going to be consistent, that can make big kicks. Mike Nugent, say what you want about him. He's made his fair amount of big kicks in in his career. Uh, he's a veteran, and and that's that could be what they need. I'd love for Zane Gonzalez to put this behind him, go five for five on Sunday, um, and they have a big victory, and he's a big part of it, and they can keep Mike Nugent stashed on the practice squad. But sometimes it takes bringing in some competition to, to raise your level of play. Go ask Hassan Reddick, who finally looked like he was a capable outside linebacker after they drafted a, a player of similar skill set and position, Isaiah Simmons. So I, I do not think this has anything to do with COVID. If it did, they would have done it, you know, a couple weeks ago. I think this is very much Zane. You know what? Put your big boy pants on. You can't be missing two field goals against the division rival where the Cardinals were I mean, let's face it, second half, they were in complete control. And if they knock home those field goals, this that game's probably not as close as it was. So, uh, and especially give the defense credit. I mean, they gave them favorable field position after missing those field goals. That's kind of the unsung part of that. So, but in relation to the injuries, Blake, that you previously mentioned, I do want to transition. Um, the Cardinals are fortunate. They've gone through the majority of well, all of the preseason training camp and didn't have 
one real crippling injury, and I'm including Robert Alford in that because I just didn't have huge expectations, and Drake Kirkpatrick looks like he's going to be able to fill in admirably on top of the ascension of Byron Murphy. But listen, with Jalen Thompson, it stings because he's an ascending young player. Hopefully it's only a couple of weeks on the injured reserve. I love that addition by the NFL specific to this year that you can bring players back after three weeks. Hopefully he's back you know, before the midpoint of the year. They've got some you know capable veterans that could step in. You could always bring in Somebody like a Tony Jefferson, if he were to you know, be able to pass a physical, if there's mutual interest, I don't know anything. I'm just speculating. You know, Chris Banjo, after he got his feet wet, was fine. And I do think they, they have enough positional flexibility with Buddha and, and Patrick and the veterans on the back end that they should be okay. And I, I know they, they haven't discussed bringing in Isaiah Simmons and letting him play a little free safety. But if you if you got to a point where you just wanted to put your best athlete back there, you could. Um, but as far as Lamont Gilliard, that was probably the biggest surprise for me last week. It was you lose your starting center in the in week one. You're, you're bringing a former six-round pick. Granted, he was a very decorated SEC standout for a long time um, at Mississippi State. But you throw him into that fire against the Javon Kinlaws, the Solomon Thomases, the Eric Armsteads, and he performs as well as he did. I mean, there's no wonder he got, I, th- I believe he got a game ball after that game. And uh, he's up, he's going to be up to his ears in, in talent again this week against uh, a vaunted Washington front that I'm sure we'll talk about, Blake. But um, I'm excited to see what he can do. I think that, listen, when did the Cardinals start to kickstart a lot of their production? It was when he came into the game. And I'm not saying that offensively, I'm not saying that they coincided with each other. And certainly I'm a big Mason Cole fan, but we'll see how much they lose in terms of a drop off. And I'm excited that he gets the entire week of practice, Blake, to be able to settle in next to two veteran guards, Justin Pugh and J.R. Sweezy. That helps a lot. Kelvin Beecham was fantastic week one against D. Ford. Humphrey's coming back from from getting banged up. He'll be fine. Um, This is a perfect scenario to implement a young player um, that I think we both are are high on and that could have some, some, some value. And as far as Max Williams goes, I think what we could see is if they wanted to go heavy, which Max Williams was, he's a tight end that blocks like a tackle. They could kick a Justin Murray as a de facto six lineman tight end on the on the edge there. Uh, they did that with Mason Cole a few times last year just because they were so devoid of talent. Um, and you could run heavy there. But, you know, Dan Arnold uh, should be able to see an increased amount of targets this week. You just you want to get people healthy. Everybody has injuries in the NFL right now. The Niners are decimated. Um, So the Cardinals are fortunate that, you know, with respect to the players we did mention, none of their star players are out, Blake. Compare what the Cardinals look like to where the Niners have been. The Niners are getting Brandon Ayuk back this week, and they're probably considering themselves to be very fortunate for that fact. Uh, The... George Kittle is out after that hit by Buda Baker for the week, and the uh, importance of being able to have a healthy roster in the NFL um, is not nearly as important as being able to have capable depth. Uh, the Cardinals did go out and signed uh, Curtis Riley. Uh, I believe he's a five-year or so veteran. Uh, he's 28 years old. Hasn't gotten a lot of playing time. I would assume that part of why he's on the roster is uh, in case that Dante Thompson, who is expected to fill that sort of a role uh, in the deep secondary, uh, in case something happens, worse goes to worse, they at least are then not having to rely on putting Chris Banjo back there. Or in case of a special team sort of injury, uh, it gives you at least a bit of depth in that spot. What I think is interesting, John, is that we'll kind of talk about there's some mirroring that I think that goes on with the Cardinals, and that's Dante Thompson was inactive 
for uh, Sunday's game against the Niners, Chris Banjo was active. Banjo took over that spot during the uh, game day because he was valuable on special teams. You're not really expecting to have um, him, however, be that type of deep safety, that deep coverage guy. We even saw why on that uh, 76-yard touchdown run by Raheem Mostert. Uh, he's just not quite the guy who's able to be a capable uh, every down starting strong safety or in this position at least that you'd say more of the free safety on the back end allowing Buda to roam. What I think is also similarly is you look at the Cardinals with Chris Strevler, who we didn't get to talk about about as much last time. Strevler brings you stuff on special teams as a personal punt protector that Brett Hundley does not. Uh, if you have an injury during the game, Strevler's mobile, he can move around, but if Kyler, if God forbid, gets hurt, or if some reason something happens with coronavirus, uh, I don't think that it's a permanent backup switch. I think that Streveler is just the player who then would uh, probably be the backup. Hundley would then take over, and I think that's because everyone can probably say that you have a better chance of winning a game with Brett Hundley at quarterback if you have to start the whole game than you do with Chris Streveler. And maybe that's right now. Maybe that's how it's going to be moving forward. But I think it's the same case with Deontay Thompson. We'll see who ends up getting the start on Sunday. It probably will not indicate very much about that fifth-round pick who some people were very high on and had Thompson as a top player for the Cardinals. If Banjo still starts over him and plays a lot or if there's an inactive or if Curtis Riley even sees him playing time, probably won't speak very well to that pick by Steve Kime. But I think we can at least speak very positively to how Chris Streveler was used, and I'm very curious to see uh, the other packages that the Cardinals will have in store for him, John. Yeah, and, you know, Blake, you and I, we can admit this, we heard not so super positive things with regard to Deontay Thompson coming into this training camp, not during it, but coming into it, that maybe he just didn't have the prototypical speed at the position to be able to succeed, and that's why he was essentially beaten out by Jalen who was a superior player a year ago on that 2019 Cardinal team. But we are happy to report that, by all accounts, Deontay did have a nice bounce-back training camp, and the, the staff is much more high on him this year coming into the season. And that can be expected, being you know a rookie overwhelmed a little bit, uh, having a chance to sit back and take in you know all that comes with learning an NFL playbook. I think a lot of these year-two Vance Joseph-led rookies we're going to see a jump from, and I, that, that to me, if we're going to take Vance at his word that, you know, they're going to be an improved defense, that's the biggest benefactor. If guys like Byron Murphy and Zach Allen, who we saw take a huge step last week, continue to emerge and Deontay Thompson can be at worst, a rotational player can be, can have some sort of impact. You've got to give Vance Joseph credit. We give Kingsbury credit night and day for what Kyler's doing, but on the flip side, Let's see some of these young players take the next step. So if Deontay Thompson comes out and performs admirably, that's that's another a feather in Vance Joseph's cap. And, you know, right now, after that week one performance, I would bet that that if Deontay does play, he, he won't embarrass himself, Blake. Yeah, absolutely, John. The. Uh, good news for the Cardinals in a lot of aspects was a lot of the lumps you felt that they took during that 2019 season are hopefully paying dividends in their 2020 season. 
Um, the hope, I think, also is that the Cardinals will see that type of progress in 2021 from a guy like Isaiah Simmons. Uh, you mentioned him. I, I do think that it will really be interesting to see how the Cardinals use him this week if they're going to kind of look at saying that they need to more redshirt him. I, from what we knew, at least in camp, was the idea is he is too talented to stay off the field. The downside, at least, is he was taken advantage of in matchup type situations. And clearly the learning curve, as Vance Joseph spoke this week, said that he missed probably about 1,200, that's like 1,200 potential snaps this offseason to be able to learn their defense, to be able to understand coverage, to be able to play against NFL players in practice, to be able to recognize routes uh, and concepts. And that clearly will have an impact. You talk about guys who missed their entire rookie season coming in and essentially having to redo a rookie year. I think that that's something at least where the hope is that you can be able to bring him in, use him, and almost pick and choose some of the situations. Maybe it's, hey, your job is just to be a quarterback spy on this play that we have designed here. And if the quarterback starts to break the pocket, go and get him. Uh, Maybe it's something as simple as just matching him up on a tight end for a few plays, kind of do some shuffling around so that Devondre Campbell doesn't have to necessarily be that guy on a tight end all the time. The Cardinals are going to face former Cardinals quarterback Logan Thomas at tight end this week. He's obviously at a 6'6", 250, and fast has always been that uh, physical beast of a player, at least, who was trucking guys. Uh, running the football in college he's kind of finally transitioned to be a leading offensive weapon for the uh, for the football team and uh, not saying much about the rest of their weapons John so um, uh, before we get into the full-time preview two other at least quick things the first one is obviously a piece of news Um, Cardinals legend Larry Wilson the guy who uh, when you talk about the way the modern game is played he's probably the first modern safety in the National Football League Uh, He was legendary for uh, his toughness, his grit. Uh, He was the guy who they call as the father of the safety blitz because he was so relentless in getting to the quarterback that they were able to start using him much more as a pass rusher when most safeties would be way back far behind the line. He had 52 total career interceptions, which uh, just it blows your mind how many that is when you look at a player, a star like a Patrick Peterson or a Tyron Matthew, that they haven't come close to that number. Uh, including a legendary game where he had two broken hands, played through the game, and picked off the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Uh, He was one of the NFL top 100 all-time players as part of the Ring of Honor. Uh, He passed away this week. Uh, He was in his uh, upper 80s. He was a Cardinals executive. Um, John, this is kind of a big loss, I think, for a lot of people in the Cardinals community because Wilson was just from a different era of football, but he was one of those guys who ushered in the modern era of football uh, that we know today. Talk a little bit about just some of the legacy of a guy like Larry Wilson, at least for that one, uh, is is kind of like this is a thing we're starting to get into with as far as Cardinals players. It feels like between him and I believe Kwame Lasseter – if I remember correctly, with one of the other players, there's been a, a couple of legends lost in this last year. Yeah, and I think our our buddy Walter Mitchell from the Revenge of the Birds dot com will, will probably be the best person to speak on this because he has been such a fan for some time and likely watched him play. Similar to my father, who has watched Cardinal football for you know decades now, he remembers watching Larry Wilson. He he went to the University of Phoenix Stadium our first visit there and didn't buy a Fitz jersey or didn't buy a Peterson jersey. He had a custom Larry Wilson number eight jersey made at the team store. 
that was one of his favorite players growing up. He always used to show me the famous play. I think it was against the Steelers where he had the interception with two broken hands. He and my, my late grandfather would watch the St. Louis football Cardinals uh, in person practice in our home uh, town of Bloomington, Illinois. If you don't know, um, they used to have their training camp at my alma mater, Illinois State University, which uh, coincidentally, the mascot is the Redbirds. Um, and people would drive by and see these players practice, you know, before the season would begin in the fall um, when they would do their training camp. There would be but people would just assume, oh, those are the Redbirds. No, they were actually the St. Louis football Cardinals. And then they would have their training camp there, similar to when the, the football Cardinals in Arizona would have what their training camp in Glendale or wherever Scottsdale or I can't remember where they you would probably know that better than I would like where they would go up north and have their training camp on location. That's what the St. Louis Cardinals used to do. And Larry Wilson was the primary uh, attraction. People would come to watch him practice and you could, it was just like open practice. They had an open stadium. You'd be able to go watch him. And he was one of the most physically gifted individuals, not from, you know, a physique standpoint, he was about six foot, 200 pounds, but just the definition of a football player. I posted this on Twitter. He came into the NFL in 1960 was a seventh round pick I think it was a first round pick of the AFL simultaneously, but wanted to be a part of the NFL, even as a seventh round pick. And it's like he and he's talked about his admiration for Pat Tillman before, but they're kind of like kindred spirits in the sense that they were both seventh round picks. Larry Wilson, though, would be a part of the all decade team and not only in the 1960s, but the 1970s. And I think he only played like half of the 1970s and was still all decade, which just tells you how good of a player he was. But just for the Cardinals, he was an ambassador of, of the football Cardinal team, whether it's St. Louis or Phoenix or Arizona or however you want to affiliate him. He, he followed the team um, throughout you know, their time to get where they're at now. And, and Michael Bidwell has been on record as saying, outside of my father, he's one of the most inspirational persons that he's had in his life. Um, I've had a chance to briefly meet him. Um, for those of you who don't know, when the Cardinals would play at the Edward Jones Dome every year, Michael Bidwell would bring back a lot of the former St. Louis legends to that game and they would hang out on the sidelines. And my father and I would always try to get tickets on the opposing sideline in the Edward Jones Dome and the fan and the Rams never sold out, especially in the last decade. And so we could get pretty close and all the legends uh, from the 70s on those great Cardinal teams that would make the playoffs uh, would be there and he would be one of those players. And I had a chance to you know get a ball signed by him and just this nicest guy would have this bright black leather jacket on and just you could tell was super respected by his peers he and Roger Worley were the staple of Cardinal football defensively during that period and to lose him now I, I understand that he's had you know a bad bout with cancer the, the fight had gone on for some time so I don't think this was entirely unexpected Blake but th these are the kind of legends that you know the Patrick Petersons the Larry Fitzgeralds hopefully the Kyle Murrays will be able to look up to over the course of time, we know the impact he's had on this franchise. And I just think that, you know, the, the Cardinals historically have not had a ton of great players. So when they lose one of the caliber of Larry Wilson, I think it hits extra hard um, because he's got his name up in the rafters as just a legend of the game. And out it's it means something for a fan base that you go to like the Peter Pink Kings of the world. You go to the NFL films of the world. And Larry Wilson is just He's a, he's a god to a lot of people. And the fact that he was only affiliated with the football Cardinals shows you how special of a player he is.
the ambassadors for the game that the Cardinals have are uh, few and far between. Whenever you lose one like this, uh, it, it's always a, uh, a big blow, at least to the community, uh, especially to people like Michael and those who've been in the organization and have known him longer than probably anyone. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on to previewing the upcoming game against Washington. Because on paper, John, you take a look at it's a tale of two cities almost or a tale of uh, two different types of, uh, uh, I guess, two different views. Your view of how you view the Washington defense and how you view the Washington offense as they match up against the explosive Cardinals offense, which was maybe more of a dink and dunk last week that still had some explosive runs. And then a Cardinals defense that is much improved. You look at the offensive depth chart for the uh, Washington football team, and it's not impressive at all. Outside of Terry McLaurin, you've got a rookie in Antonio Gibson who wasn't too involved last week. You see Logan Thomas at tight end with Dwayne Haskins. And then you look at Steven Sims as their number two wide receiver. Their offensive line as it goes from left to right. Now, one of these is not like the other. You have Garen Christian. Wes Martin at center. You have Chase Roulier. You have Brandon Scherf at right guard and Morgan Moses at right tackle. You've got one really good, but there's one even competent offensive line per uh, lineman for Washington right now. The Cardinals are should, if you look at how everything went last week, were able to stifle the Niners outside of, you know, a few running back screens that they had Um And I think that is something that bodes very, very well. Now, the other side of it, on the defensive side, you've got at least five uh, first-round picks on the defensive side from Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Ryan Kerrigan has been interspersed with Chase Young. That, that, John, is probably the most impressive front four pass rush slash uh, run defense in all of football. Obviously, the secondary has got some star names in Landon Collins. You got Kendall Fuller is back there, um, but some other the other safeties are not as impressive. There was room for the Eagles to go deep last week. I think the question, John, is is if the Cardinals are the more talented team here, does that mean that we can rule out Washington? Because I feel like the, this game is should still be a Cardinals win, but I think it is going to be closer than a lot of people would think on paper. I've looked up the lines for this week. The Cardinals have one of the biggest lines as a favorite in six and a half, uh, which is right on par, I believe, with, as we're recording this on a Friday, the the Niners visiting the Jets, if that tells you anything. Now, the Cardinals are at home, and I think that they should win this game, and I believe that they will. But just, I'm going to put aside the roster for a second and focus on Ron Rivera who is, he's not an elite head coach, but I think he's in that next tier of guys that just gets the most out of his team. I don't, I can't remember the last time the the Arizona Cardinals have beaten a Ron Rivera-led team. He would torment them in Carolina from their playoff losses dating back to the last time I think they beat them, Blake, and I correct me if I could be wrong, was Carolina's opener in 2011 with Cam Newton's rookie year. I can't remember another time that the Cardinals beat the Carolina Panthers last year, he came into the university of Phoenix stadium, state farm stadium, I should say with Kyle Allen. And they, I mean, they embarrassed Arizona. That was one of Kingsbury's worst games. Kyler did not play well. And it was basically the defense and Christian McCaffrey. And then a little bit of Kyle Allen. I mean, so I, I would not underestimate him, but what I will say is the Cardinals are a much deeper team this year. And they, you're right. They should be able to stretch the field vertically on this secondary that, you know, 
not a big Ronald Darby fan. You know, their, their, their safety play, as you mentioned, isn't great. Even their, I think their linebacking core is just so, so Jonathan Bostick's kind of a journeyman player at this point, but it's all about that front four Montez sweat, first rounder chase young probably the runaway rookie of the year at this point ryan kerrigan who's a really good player is a rotational outside linebacker defensive end for them now and then deron Payne and jonathan allen are back-to-back first rounders out of the university of alabama so uh, the cardinals did a nice job last week specifically the tackle play of dj humphreys and kelvin beecham who essentially negated d ford the entire four quarters of the game holding up and pass pro and then Kyler Murray's mobility, they they did not have a tough time having, you know, capable pass protection against what many feel like is the best front four in all football. But because the Eagles beat up on an injury depleted offensive line, or excuse me, Washington beat up on an injury depleted offensive line of Philadelphia, suddenly they have the new hot group. Um, what I will say is, you know, I do think that the Cardinals are going to be more focused because of that outing and, goodness on the flip side, Blake, that Washington offense outside of maybe Brandon Sheriff and Terry McClellan, who I do like this defense that performed well against them, even with their wide receiving issues, a much deeper team in San Francisco last week, certainly a much better offensive coach and Kyle Shanahan. I just think that the, the Cardinal defense, if we think they're as serious as we believe and Washington's traveling from the East coast to Arizona, I, I think this is going to be a scenario in which the defense should not allow over 20 points for the consecutive the consecutive week. Uh, when you're starting Logan Thomas tight end and you've got the likes of Steve Sims Jr. and Dontrell Eamon as your you know featured receivers, Gibson in his second career game, Haskins looked terrible last week in the first half. Um, right now, you can make an argument the Cardinals defense has more talent than Philadelphia is just based on what they're trotting out, certainly from a from a linebacker perspective. So I think that this is going to be a scenario in which the Cardinals can, if they can run the football effectively. And remember the Eagles, not only were missing, I think fourth, three fourths, of their offensive line, four fifths, of their offensive line. They didn't have their, their uh, Miles Sanders, their capable running back. Whereas the Cardinals have multiple backs, a much deeper receiver. Um, you know, they've got a capable tight end for once. So I think this is going to be much more of Kyler's sitting in the pocket. He's going to get ample time and he's going to feast on that secondary for Washington. And I think that we're going to see the emergence of Christian Kirk this week. And I think Kyler goes for over 300 yards passing in a big Cardinal win. Yeah, I, I think that right now Kyler seems to be automatic in terms of um, being able to uh, hit those 300-yard marks in part because of his rushing ability. I could see him actually having a similar game plan to last week. I think that uh, if you're talking about four people rushing the passer or having a ferocious pass rush, uh, I think that there's linebackers if you can be able to uh, get everything taken care of. I think that the game plan is going to come down to being similar where you're going to end up seeing a lot of the short plays. You're going to see them get a lot of DeAndre Hopkins at least. Uh, I do think that you get Kirk involved. Uh, What's interesting also to me, John, is that I think that the turnover and sack battle will be huge because – uh, sacks are drive killers that we've seen, uh, especially at least for teams like Arizona, if Murray tries to scramble and then takes a deep loss. But I think at least you want to look for overall, though, is um, at those turnovers because last week, um, 31st-ranked quarterback uh, as far as for performance was 
Dwayne Haskins, but the 32nd was Carson Wentz, and that's because he took eight sacks. There wasn't any type of a passing threat that they had, and their offensive line was so banged up. I think the Cardinals come in in a much better place from there, and I think what you need to do is be able to force Dwayne Haskins to make mistakes, to turn the ball over, while keeping your running game going, so that way you don't have to worry as much about uh, the pass rush getting to Kyler. And I think that this is probably going to be a, a battle that if, if you're optimistically, the Cardinals could win this game 23-17. And your hope is that the uh, Washington football team would only score a garbage time touchdown. It'd be a 23-10. Wouldn't be too close. Their defense would limit you from putting too many points up. But uh, really, I think what this is important for, John, I want to get your thoughts on this, is the Cardinals are being ranked now from anywhere from 8th to 12th in the power rankings. It's been so long since they started 0-2. I think this is an important step for the Cardinals to go out and take care of business against a team that you clearly on paper are better than and take advantage of the fact that this is probably right now the only winning NFC East team. It's a bad division. You need to be able to win out-of-division games like this because the NFC West is going to be brutal this year. To get into the postseason, you have to be able to take advantage of weaker games like this. Uh, I think especially in an aspect where the Cardinals are still overall relatively healthy and show that they have depth against a team that's not probably one of the worst or the worst team in the NFL, but this is not a good football team that they're going against, John. Yeah, I totally agree, and I don't want to say it would negate all the good value that they've been able to build up all the good credit that they got for beating San Francisco because that was a divisional game and those do matter but goodness if you cannot be clearly a rebuilding roster in in Washington at home if you think you're a playoff team you've got the superior quarterback you've got the superior weapons you've got you know one of the best pass rushers in all football certainly the superior back seven defensively you've got the advantage they're traveling they're coming to you they're coming off a big emotional victory. Give them some, you know, give them some medicine on, you know, what a, a playoff team looks like, because clearly Philadelphia might be a little overvalued at this point, whereas Arizona, for the most part, knock on wood, basically healthy. They've got a quarterback who we think is about to begin. If we're talking about Kyler Murray as an MVP candidate or somebody who is ready to assert themselves into that Lamar, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson tier, this is the type of game where he needs to come out and uh, four total touchdowns, that kind of thing, operating highly on offense. We can't screw around for the first half offensively and not, you know, perform the way they're capable of performing. You know, give them a pass last week. San Francisco is a great team defensively, and the Cardinals had no live football for, you know, seven months. But now we're coming into a, a situation that's very advantageous for Kyler and the rest of this offense. Another week with Hopkins. There's no reason Christian Kirk should be shut out again. There's no reason the running game shouldn't be humming along with, you know, Chase Edmonds looking great and Drake getting those tough inside yards. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think this is going to be a blowout in the Cardinals favor. I don't like doing that, but I just think that with all the good mojo from last week, I think Hopkins keep, will keep this team incredibly focused. Kyler doesn't, you, you listen to him this week and it sounded like they had lost just with his demeanor. He keeps this team so even keeled. So I'm going to go on a official prediction, Blake, this week. I think the Cardinals put up over 30. I think that we get a 35-21 victory, and I think Washington maybe gets a garbage touchdown late. That's why I give them 21 victory over the Washington football team uh, as the Cardinals move to 2-0 for the first time since 2015. Yeah, I love to hear that, John. I, I hope that that's the case. I still think it'll be a bit closer, and we'll, we'll see. The two matchups that I'm most looking at this week 
are going to be Chandler Jones against Garen Christian and then seeing the combination of Ryan Kerrigan and Chase Young against DJ Humphreys, who struggled some last week. If you can tell me that Humphreys can protect Kyler and that Chase uh, Young is not able to make a huge impact, and then on the flip side, that Chandler Jones is able to go off and pressure the heck out of Dwayne Haskins, who is not a mobile guy and can be a bit late in his throws, I think that the Cardinals could walk away with the win here as well. That will be it for us today, folks. Uh, this has been the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much again for listening. Uh, we'll have this show up, obviously, uh, pretty quick at least for your Friday afternoon. I uh, wanted to be able to thank John for being able to join us for a little bit and make some take some time out of his schedule. Uh, don't forget that his new at is at Johnny Venerable. You can follow him there on Twitter. Uh, you'll also be able to follow me at Blake Murphy Seven, our podcast at ROTB Pod, and as always, we'll be located with us and our content on RevengeOfTheBirds.com. I've got the rapid reactions on the website. John will be on Periscope following every Cardinals game this year to discuss. Uh, so make sure that you're listening in, and uh, we have hope that the Cardinals can start off two and zero for the first time since 2015. Uh, obviously there's a lot to still be determined. This is again against a Ron Rivera team. Uh, let's hope that the Cardinals are able to buck the trend of the last few years, be able to put up a solid offensive showing, if not maybe the greatest. Uh, I think that the biggest question will be, can their defense take that next step forward to being able to be a uh, solid, it doesn't have to be elite, but a solid defensive unit in the National Football League. That'll be all for us for this week. We'll catch you guys on the other side of the game. First home game of the season for your 2020 Cardinals. This has been the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in.